Good morning. Welcome to the Barn Sunday Morning Services. Thank you so much for tuning in. I absolutely, absolutely appreciate it. Uh, very interesting times. We are, um, if you have any questions during the Sunday morning service, you can call in or email us. You can call 1-800-411-2663, 1-800-411-BON, or you can email church at boninfo.org, church at boninfo.org, and put your name in town, your name in town, name in town on your emails. And the question will have to be related to today's topic. Uh, so feel free to call in 800-411-2663. And let me say good morning to all you guys here. Good morning. Glad to see everybody. Are you guys as happy as I am to be alive and see what's going on in this country today? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't like I'm glad I'm not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great, the people who died last year have no idea what they're missing. This is really a very unique time, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Anybody have any questions or anything from last week? I wasn't here last week, right? No, I wasn't here, I don't think. I wasn't here? No, I wasn't here. Oh, okay. <laughs> so any questions about anything? The Bible, God, life, marriage, death, or whatever? Yes? I was going to say, what, what's great about now is that all of our problems are coming to the, all the things that have been problems years in our country yes. are now coming to the surface for us yeah. to, to deal with. That's the great side of it. That's real good. When they said that the government may collapse, I thought this may be a good thing. I did. <laughs> because you know how sometimes in your life when things collapse, you tend to pick yourself up and you do better. You tighten up in life. You, you save. You don't run around as much. You're not on the phone as much. And so this could be a good thing for us. But if we see it in a bad way and overreact to it, then we could create, make it worse than what it really is. Uh, I think a lot of people need some uh, uh, life collapse, to collapse. Yeah. When you, you, we used to get a fever in the old days, they would let the fever run its course. Yeah. Now people are so weak that they have to knock all the symptoms down, which really doesn't get the sickness out of your body. Yeah, And that's, that's right. what could happen here if we don't allow it to get out. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, are you guys afraid about what's happening? Nobody's no, scared? No. You guys must not have any money. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Only the people with the money are nervous right now, huh? Yeah. Well, these are very interesting times, and I'm glad you're paying attention to it. You really need to pay attention to it so that you can learn from it. A lot to learn from what is going on, and especially people reacting to it. I realize that we rely on the, well, I don't, but the people rely on the government too much. And the government is absolutely out of control because of that. They have no respect for the people. It's like the government gone wild. <laughs> That's what it is, government gone wild. They're spending money and, 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 and lying to us and just really taking advantage of it. While we're fighting amongst ourselves, they're living it up. Yes. It, it's so crazy that we got like a uh, whatever uh, trillion dollar debt, uh, 16 point two or whatever it is, yeah. 13.6, it doesn't, whatever. But they're gonna, they were gonna drop another trillion dollar debt on us just without blinking or even thinking about it or really asking anybody about it. They didn't even have to vote trillion. on it. Yeah, we're not even voting on it if they, we want them to do it or not. So they have no respect. It's like, I'm gonna take your money. As long as you go to work, we're gonna take your money. And, we, and if you notice, nobody really said anything about it either. 
Well, there's a lot of uh, grassroots organizations that are coming up. Matter of fact, my aunt was here in downtown LA, and I'm, I'm looking at that to see if I see the t-shirt because I forgot the name of the organization, but from LA, from Chicago, from Seattle, and what it was, if they weren't for McCain or they weren't for Obama, they right. were for what are we going to put on the table for whoever wins that we need. That we need. Yeah. You know, one problem with this too, you don't really know what the truth is mm-hmm. about the economic situation because you have one group saying one thing, another group saying another thing, because we don't have open books to go look at, we really don't know what the truth is. Some people say it's not as bad as they say. Some people say it is. Some say we should do it this way to resolve it. Others say that we don't. So we've got all these experts in our way to prevent us from seeing what's really going on. And that's a major problem. Absolutely a major problem. You don't really know what the truth is. And uh, so it's like we are being controlled by the government instead of the government. We controlling the government. Did you remember that the government worked for us? <laughs> We need to fire them, you know? We need to get rid of them. Yes? It appeared to me, I don't know, maybe I'm alone, that, that the Democrats uh, that wanted to uh, pull the wool over everybody's eyes and steal seven and $750 billion from the taxpayers to bail us out of this thing. So um, to save, uh, I mean, just as a giveaway, and there's a handful of Republicans, and there was never agreement on this, by the way. The Republicans is a group of Republicans, conservative Republicans, that wouldn't let this happen, one of which was John McCain. And John McCain is not playing politics with it. He's not saying, he didn't say a word about it in the debate because he doesn't want to use it for politics. And Obama didn't either. But Obama was for the giveaway, as was George Bush. And McCain and several uh, conservative Republicans want these corporations to earn their way out of this. They don't want to give them the money. And that's a big item. That's, that's, that's huge. Yeah. The one thing that we have to be careful of, too, is, you know, like, there are some for McCain, there are some people for Barack Obama, but in this economic situation, we have to stay neutral so we can really see what's going on. You know, we have a tendency to, if we support somebody or something, it shut down any other reality that can come in and teach us a lesson about the situation. You know what I mean? If, if, if Republicans say something, then that must be what it is. Or if the Democrats say something, that may be what it is. That may not be the case on either side. Because it seemed to me whole, corrupt, whole government is corrupt today. The Republicans haven't done a great job. You know, they had a chance to do a good job, but they didn't. And so we have to, as American people, we really can't trust the government at all. So we have to like come in the center and make sure these folks do what they're supposed to be doing. We can't afford in this situation to take side. We want to be on the right side because they're both wrong right now. You know, President Bush came on TV the other day and made an announcement to the world that I thought it was going to all be over with Friday night. You know, like we'll be all out in the street hungry today. But life is still going on. Everybody's still full. Who was not full this morning? Everybody had breakfast. <laughs> Life is still moving on, but I thought if they didn't make a decision on Friday, that was it for us. But so it's not something else going on that we all don't see yet. So just make sure you don't take sides with the Republicans or the Democrats. 
because these folks work for us and they're doing a bad job. And we need to know what's going on so we can make them change. Yes, Pat. You're right, we can't trust because, um, you know, I used to trust what President Bush did, just yeah. sight unseen, until he led us down the path with this immigration mess that they did last year. Yeah. And I trust, and I tend to trust, let's say, John McCain on a lot of things. But you know what? He was going to give our country away uh, in the immigration fight last year. So it's not like he's infallible either. And now that we've learned the lessons, we need to keep applying them and say, you can look at what you see, but you don't trust a man uh, yeah. over what, it, it, without seeing something. We've got to take care of this ourselves here. We can't trust these guys to yeah, get us money, out of it. money and power tend to corrupt people. And it doesn't matter if you're Republican, Democrat, black or white, male or female. Money and power corrupt. And these folks have a lot of money that they're working with. And so there's a lot of stuff going on. So pay attention and not necessarily just take sides. We want to know what's right. We've got to know this thing. Yes. And, and who's watching the hen house, too? This guy that they the put Fox. out? What's the bald-headed guy that they, that's in charge of this? I forget his name now. Not Paulson. Bernanke, but uh, Paulson. Paulson. Uh, this guy was head of Goldman Sachs, an investment bank, for years. He is part of the class of, uh, of folks that got us into the mess. So how are you going to trust that the guy who got us into, partially got us into it? He's a liberal Democrat. Well, yeah, that's true, too. But so how are you going to trust him? One guy come up and say, if you don't, if you don't take some action by the next couple of days, our economy is going to tank. It's almost like a threat, like they got a gun to your head saying, you better <laughs> do this or we're going under. And the reason I don't trust any of them because they knew that this thing was coming. And nobody came up and said, look out, America, we are in trouble right now. They could have held a press, national press conference said, and given us a warning that we were being ripped off. But from the president down, nobody said a word. They didn't let us know that this was coming. Have you, did you notice that? And they knew it was coming, whatever it is. But I don't remember a press conference stopping the world at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to tell us this is what's going on. They were trying, probably trying to fix it behind closed doors, they but they couldn't shouldn't. fix it. But they work for us, though. When something goes wrong with my company, my employees have a responsibility to warn me about it. Yeah. You know, look, this is about to happen. We need to do something. And not try to fix the problem behind my back. Mm -hmm. You know, but that's what they did. So I don't like any of them, really. I think we need to get rid of all of the government and just be us. That's what the Israelites did. <laughs> oh, they did? Originally. Maybe it's time for a repeat. Yes. Because um, we can put okay. our own money in the bank. We can pay our own bills. We can hire a, a little army in each city to watch over us. <laughs> yes. On talk radio, most of, the, uh, most of the talk amongst the talk radio talking heads was how bad the Democrats are behaving in this crisis and, you know, we need to resolve this. And then, and then I happened to hear Larry Elder on um, KBC and he's like, uh, okay, let me, let, me, let me spell it out to you what's going on. He, he cited, you know, how many bank failures we've had every year um, and compared the numbers in the so-called crisis we have now with the numbers we've had over the years. Yeah. And that really crystallized it for me. Besides that, he outlined that AIG which is the big insurance company that, that, that we're supposed to have to protect. It's an international insurance company, and it had its beginnings in China. Most of it's, it's got a huge business in China. China has, I guess, between 500 billion and a trillion of our debt that they, are, that they bought up, because you know, that's what we do. We sell our debt around the world. 
And China doesn't want AIG to go down. China's the one, you know, putting the pressure on us because they have so much of our debt to, um, you know, fix this. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of information going on about this whole deal. But just pay attention to it. Don't get caught up in it. And uh, don't take sides so you can see the right thing. Did I see a hand over here somewhere? No? Yes, sir. Yeah, I, one thing that, that always strikes me on this thing is that I think we just desperately need term limits yeah. with Congress. I really do, because I think this business of people being in for 30 or 40 years was, was never the intent originally in, on the, in the forefathers, and et cetera. And I just, I mean, I think that we, it's a, necessarily a corrupting thing. Yeah. They get in, they've got all their special interests, they keep doing it the same way. They have no incentive to vote basically for the people or their real conscience because they know that they're going to get reelected. And they've got totally plenty of money agree. to do it. And that's I think a good that's, idea. Yeah. Term limits. That'll yeah, do it. Absolutely. For everybody. Yeah. For everybody. I mean, we have it for the president. Yeah. Why shouldn't we have it for Congress? That's right. I like that idea. Maybe we should negotiate that while we're rebuilding the country. <laughs> that's a very good idea. And another thing, I mean, I can't understand the spending situation in the government. If a company, and we're basically mostly small business, yeah. which is the employees of people anyway, but if you get in trouble as a company, you've got to cut your expenses until yeah. you can make it go. And there's just no incentive to do that. There's no desire to do that in, in the Congress at all. It's just that we have to go up and keep spending no matter what, because yeah. there's, no, there's no basically consequences. Because we the people have allowed them to get away with yes. too much. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. We've totally allowed it to happen. Yes, sir. Yeah, I think that last point you just made is really important. I, I talked to a lot of people about the financial crisis, and the minute you say that you know you allowed it to happen, nobody wants to take that pain. Yeah. And if you tell them, you know, you're the reason why the subprime market occurred, they don't even want to look at that. They yeah. want to say, you know, well, how are we going to fix it and all that? And the first thing you have to do is look at what was the cause of the effect. Yeah. And that's the most interesting part is the hysteria. You know, some very smart people with a lot of net worth completely panicking right now. Yeah. And they will not look at the cause either, which means that it will happen again and again and again. Because it, this, this type of financial crash has happened many times in our history. Yeah. So it's not like it's the first time that we've seen something like this happen. And people refuse to look at the individual perpetrators. And they say, well, if I, didn't, if I let this happen, then it's really my fault. And that's the problem is people aren't really looking at it saying, hey, that was my fault. You know, that this I happened. totally agree. One of the problems that I have with the bailout is that if we, if the government come in and just bail these people out, they're going to do it again. Have you ever helped somebody and then they end up in the same situation again and again? And you say, why are you, why are you, why are you ending up in the same identical situation? You know, same thing. this isn't the first time. Yeah. We've done this before. We have to cut this out. I mean, I, as you know, I work with a lot of young men, right? And I noticed if we, the guys that we help in the wrong way, they end up with the same thing over and over again. They end up, let's say they have $1,000 worth of parking tickets, right? And if you bail them out of those parking tickets, they, they end up right back again with the same $1,000 even more. It's like they didn't learn anything because you bailed them out. So... If, we, if, we, if the government bail out these people, they're going to do the same thing over. There's no pain, and no pain, no gain. It's like with our children. Have you noticed that the more you give them, the worse they become? 
But if they are taught to work and manage their lives and be in control, they become better people instead of worse. You can't, something, God has it set up where we are just not allowed to bail each other out. It doesn't do anything, anything good to help a person that way. And that's why I'm a little concerned about them bailing out these folks. They need to let them go down. Let them go down. Let them go out of business. Let them figure it out themselves. Then they won't repeat it. But they will repeat it if we bail them out. I guarantee you. Yes, sir. And I think that relates to overwhelmingly why you say the American public looks at Obama and says he's great because he's sort of that sexy solution that we right. have to look at ourselves and buy into something that might work for about a half a second and we're back with ourselves again. Obama, yeah. Obama is, is sort of the promise of something new, at least in people's <coughs> minds. But that's the problem with the American public today is there's no, no moral fabric anymore so that they just jump on the bandwagon with every new thing that happens. It's terrible. Just keep repeating the same mistakes over, over and, and over again, never learning. It's amazing, but you're right. Yes, sir. But you could have practically anybody in the government running it. And if you had, um, like this gentleman over here said, he wants term limits because term limits are like teeth in the law. If you make a law to somebody saying you can't do this, but there's no punishment if they do it. Like with the average Joe, us, if we break any of the laws, believe me, there's a punishment for it for us. For the Congress, they can disregard the budget laws that they make. They have to have a budget in on a certain time, like California. Yeah. They can disregard those laws all day long, all the laws they can disregard, because there's no teeth. There's no, there's no punishment for them. There's no saying, okay, your salary gets removed, or you get removed from office if the budget isn't balanced. You know, for, I'm just taking the budget as an example. Yeah. If they, don't, if they don't follow the law, there's no teeth for them. So what we need to have is an initiative, you know, uh, and maybe we need to start that. An initiative, not for term limits, but a, a, above and beyond term limits, which is to give some punishment to these legislators for not following the law. Yeah, the people definitely have to get involved again. It's we the people. And because if you're not watching the government, it will go right, out of control. Because if Obama or McCain were in office and there was teeth saying, okay, your salary's taken away or whatever, believe me, they'd get in line and they, 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 would, they would do what was necessary to balance the budget. Yeah. Those people, the, the group that you're talking about, are they like going around the country? Yeah, there's another one too. They have a commercial on TV actually about energy and having being free of foreign energy within 10 years. And I kept looking at the small print to see if they had to do with any of the Democrats or the Republicans, right. but it was a whole different organization. So there are grassroots organizations coming up because people are getting tired. It's definitely, uh, this is an encouragement to organize, for the mm. people to organize, to make sure that the government never do this again, that, that, that we are watching them. Right. Yeah. Did you have your hand? Uh, yeah. Um, you look pretty sad. <laughs> no, I'm not sad. I've got a little bit of a cold, but oh. um, I forgot what I was going to... Well, one thing that I do see that government, um, you know, it was established, you know, to promote general welfare and take care of what we cannot take care of ourselves, like right. the army and such. And now it's turned into, it provides the welfare and it competes with churches and, you know, good independent organizations that yeah. do great work. Because we're allowed to happen. Right. Yeah. If we didn't allow it to happen, it would not happen. Right. Believe me. Yes. Yeah, I just kind of more and more want to jump on your bandwagon in terms of the people 
ruling the class. I mean, yeah. it's, it's gotten crazy. And when I think about people like Bill Clinton, how did they become so big? I mean, they're like they're, they're uber celebrities that, that have you know as little common sense as anybody in the world. Yeah. And yet we've allowed these politicians to all of a sudden become bigger than life. And they're so comfortable. I think that term limits thing is a great example. It's a symbolic thing. Yeah. That you know you're meant to serve the public for X period of time, and then you're done, and you move on. You're not a serial politician. That's right. And we they've gotten so comfortable these politicians that you're right. We might as well just dump them all out yeah. and start over again. That would be the only way to really clear this thing up. Maybe we should fire them all. I mean, the country, when you really look at the country... <laughs> it's uh, all over. It, it, would, it would work. Because yeah. you have to have people intimidated that they're going to be ruled by the people. If these That's people right. just think it's great, like, it's, it's gotten to be ridiculous. The, yeah. the media, the way that they prop up the leaders and the power of politics and money to prop up all these leaders, it's, they're not even accountable anymore. They're accountable to a couple of rich people's interests, and that's about it. I totally agree. It's time to wake up, that's for sure. Time to wake up. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, Russia has made, great, made uh, great headway in taking the dishonest thieves out of their country, the ones that have raped the country, and I heard on the radio the other day, why don't we have a Vladimir Putin here to do the same thing here? And that raises a good question. Um, you heard that on public radio or something? Yeah. And, and, and it's true. We don't have a strong man. We don't have people telling the truth. There's a thread that runs through our society, a black thread of lies. And nobody's standing up like Ronald Reagan and telling everybody the truth. And we don't have that. George Bush, I thought, was that. He's not. No. We have a bunch of liars and with an agenda uh, of greed. But we also have a society today that love lies. Well, well yeah. how do you yeah. fix that, though? Because it starts in our, our schools. I, it, honesty is not a treasured commodity in, in, in elementary school. Yeah. You're not penalized for being dishonest, basically. Right. I went to a kid's basketball game yesterday, and it was like the final game, right? And um, the team that won, they received trophies, but the team that lost received trophies, too. <laughs> and I'm like, why are they giving this team trophies and they lost? And, and someone said, oh, they're just kids. You, know, you just have to give them something. I'm like, but that's not real life. And that's not, it doesn't cause you to become motivated if you're going to get a trophy anyway. It's best to let the, the team that lost, you know, let them see this other team that won get in the trophies, and next year they'll work harder, and next year they can win. But if you're going to get a trophy anyway, why bother trying to win? You know, while you're playing the game, you're already thinking, well, I'm going to get a trophy either way. So. But that's how society is now. They reward you even if you don't succeed at it. They, they give it to you anyway just to make you feel good. I went to Scott's graduation, high school graduation, and he was, uh, I believe he was like a valedictorian. You know what that is? Did I say it right? But because they didn't want to offend the other students who were not, they didn't really push it. They didn't really promote that. They didn't really want to get up and make a speech about it because they don't want to hurt the feelings of the other students. Isn't that like a crazy idea? That is insane. 
absolutely insane. But that's what we're becoming. That's what we're becoming. And that's why we can't. Anybody that got up and told the truth, then they're not going to like you for that. They're not going to vote for you. They're going to vote for the person and tell you a lie and make you feel good. That's what society wants today. Yeah. Instead of putting the criminals in jail like Putin has done, yeah. he's put, put the, the guys that have raped the country, they go to prisons. And, and here, these people, the Goldman Sachs employees that are festooned through our, our government yeah. that are causing this thing, they should all be in jail. Just think about when you date. How many people would date someone that's telling you the truth? <laughs> we date liars, right? We, we don't date. When you look for a girl, you're not looking for a girl that's going to be honest with you, right? You're looking for a girl that's going to tell you you're wonderful, you're handsome, you've been sent by God. Well, me, I like girls to tell the truth about me. I mean, I want a girl that's real with me. Yeah. I don't want no fake girls saying, like, oh, you're cuter than Usher. <laughs> I mean, I don't want that because if other people say you're ugly <laughs> to me, I'm going to my baby said I look good. I yeah. Mean, but we normally don't look for people that tell us the truth. We look for people who lie to us. And then they only tell us the truth when they get mad. And I'm like, oh, I thought you said. <laughs> you told me I was this. But if they tell us the truth, we would not want that. We, we love lies. You just. So when you look for a man, you look for a man going to tell you the truth about yourself. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no. Uh, no. Uh, yes. I mean, they lie at the beginning and then you find them out. Right. Because the reason they lie at the beginning is because guys and girls know when you first meet, you got to lie. What? <laughs> Otherwise, you won't come together. <laughs> You met a, if I met a woman, I said, and we started talking, you know, uh-uh. over coffee, and I just met her. I said, "Oh, you sound so dumb. You are a dummy." <laughs> She's not gonna want to be with me. Isn't that true? Isn't that true, though? Well, it may not be the truth because you don't want to believe me. I know somebody in this building right now, and I'm not gonna point them out. They went out on a date recently. And they were honest with the lady, and the lady didn't want anything else to do with it. Like, the date is over. It was done. I'm like, so are you guys going out again? No. Okay. Are you talking honest, or are you talking hurtful? Honest. Okay. Because to tell somebody you sound dumb, that, that may not be the truth. It might not sound like you want to hear it, but what is dumb about that? What does that we mean can tell that dumb it sounds when we dumb? dumb. What, what does that mean? What does that mean that it's, it's dumb? It's on the first date. <laughs> I've gone out with women who just yap, yap, yap on the first date, right? Okay. And they're talking about nothing. But they think they're smart because they're talking about nothing. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got to go aboard. It's over. The date is over. But if I say, oh, you know what? You sound so smart. That made sense to me. We, are, we got a second date coming up. <laughs> so... <laughs> If anybody doubt me, the next date you go on, be honest. Just be honest with the person. Not, and I don't mean mean. If you, you know, like you don't want to intentionally hurt someone. I don't mean that. But just be naturally honest, and, and watch and see if that your last date. Am I right there? Yeah, you gotta lie to one another. That's how we come together based on lies. 
And that's why the day after, the night after the honeymoon, all hell break loose. Because the truth started to reveal itself then. And now we got a problem. So I'm telling you, we love lies. And that's why the politicians lie to us. That's why we lie to one another. You know, I've been this week on my radio show. Anybody been listening to that? Man, you guys are missing some good stuff. <laughs> we're getting picked up by different radio stations around the country now, so we're getting a whole lot of people call in, calling in. And what I realized is that there is a spiritual order to life, and that order is God and Christ, Christ and man, man over woman, and woman over children. And I realized that the man represents God in the home and on earth. He represents Christ. He represents God. And when that man is not that representation of God, of God, he leaves his wife or his woman or his children open so the world can come in and destroy them. Men have a spiritual responsibility to fight evil in the world and to uh, protect their wives and children from evil. It is our responsibility as men to do that. And that has not happened, especially in the black community, and as a result of the men leaving their children open, their wives and children open, because most women, most women, unless they have had a good father, they are subject to evil. Evil can come along and tell a woman a lie. She'll suck it up just like that. And she'll accept it. And she'll think that it's, you know, it's good. And she'll feel sorry for that. And she accepts evil. Have you noticed that? One of the reasons homosexuality is so prevalent and it's being accepted because the more that women take over, the more things, the wrong is being accepted. Because they say, oh, there are people just like us. Who are we to judge? They're, women are mostly tied to it. And if they're in charge, then you have no other choice but to accept it too as being normal. And in the black community, but not just the black community, it's happening in all community as men become weak. The man has not understood his role as, God, as uh, representing God in the, in, in the black community. Now the women are out of control. I mean, they're becoming preachers and deacons and prophetess, and, and they're taking over the schools, they're taking over everything, but everything is getting worse instead of getting better because they are accepting things that men wouldn't normally accept. Men would recognize that this is wrong and know my child is not going to be a part of this. Or my, wife, even the good, or my wife is not going to be a part of this. In the good old days, before things started to change and man was really under attack, Whenever the salesperson came to the house to try to make a deal, he asked for the man of the house and because he knew that the man is over his wife, and if the husband said no, it's not going to happen. But nowadays, they go to the woman because they know how to emotionally dress it up so that she can accept it. And, and that is because the man is not there protecting his wife and children from evil. The average black church, the average, not all, not all, not all, but the average black church isn't worth going to. You may as well stay home, read your Bible. God has a better chance of getting to you. But because the men have left their women open, these phony preachers are taking them and using them for their own personal gain. They don't rebuke the women. They don't correct them. They don't do anything but take their money to that church. You walk into the church and the choir singing already. And they sing until you sweat. And then while you're coming down, they pass the bucket. And then once they collect that money, they have a prayer. And get you all excited and hollering again. And then the preacher come up and hoop a holler for an hour or two. 
Then they pass the bucket again, and you go home just a little broker but messed up. <laughs> just still messed up because nobody, that preacher haven't dealt with, with uh, in, in, in correcting that situation. But if that woman had a good husband, a man who loved God with all his heart, soul, and might, he wouldn't send his woman off to that preacher. He would not allow that to happen, but the, the preacher know that no one is there to protect him. Same thing with the government. The government is now catering to the woman. Make her feel good. Bring her in. Because he understands, the government understands that the authority is in the man. I'm telling you, it's not, it doesn't make us better than the women. It just, it's the spiritual order of life. We are the church. The men are the church. Our bodies are the temple of God. And if we were to be holy in that body as God is holy, I guarantee you things would not be in the manner that they are today. It's not in the woman to do it. She is the helpmate to the man. She's the vice president. She carry out his orders because she loves him who love was right. And then she passes that on to the children when he is not around. But they're wiping us out as men so that they can easily uh, take over the woman and children. Black Americans did not depend on government prior to 50 years ago. And at that time, we were picking cotton, uh, I mean, doing everything. But we had a sense of respect because we respected the elderly. Because if we didn't, the father would chop our heads off. We knew we had to do it. I was afraid of my granddad in the right way. But when you take that man out, and if anybody doubt me, just look at the black community. It is spiritually dead. Yet everybody and their mama lift up holy hands and give glory to God. But the kids are out of control. They're unhappy. They're fighting one another. They're having babies out of wedlock. Uh, abortion clinics are set up in the community because the man, the light of the world, the head of the family is not fighting evil with good. And that's the problem. We got to restore that. It's not by chance that the man is being wiped out. He really... This is why he really represents more than what we are being told. Women are not stronger than men. That's another lie. But you hear it all the time. Women are not all, not all, not all, but most are very emotional, very insecure. That's why they work so hard to look like they're strong. Because they're insecure, and they can only be secure if they had good men watching over them. There's nothing more healthy for a family than to have a a spiritual father as being the head of the family. And I'm not talking about one that just read the Bible. I'm talking about the man that walked the life, lived the life, is that example. And that's why boys and girls grow up empty. You know, they can have all the wealth, they can be educated, but they're still empty because that spiritual father is not there to fulfill them. And if the woman was able to do it, you would think that she would fulfill them, but she can't do it. It's not in her nature. It's in the nature of the Father. And we got to be honest about this because not only is our country falling apart as a result of men becoming weak, but um, our families are over. The children are still suffering. And education is not going to solve the problem. You could get, I, I had a guy on my show who had two master's degrees and a PhD and an HSD. <laughs> Whatever that is. But, uh, <laughs> But all the D's that he could get, he had them. But no common sense. None at all. Very emotional, very insecure. And I had a preacher calling up my show yelling at me, defending evil. 
Like, how do a preacher defend evil if you're called by God? Either it's right or it's wrong. And the problem is, when you're not called by God, it's hard to stand alone. You know, you got to lie because you know the people love lies. Because if you tell the truth, you're going to be left standing alone. But what they don't know is God is with you. I am willing to stand alone for what is right because he's given me perfect peace. He's given me all I need. And there's not one person or one thing on earth that I'm willing to sell out to. Nothing or nobody. And only because he changed my heart and now he's with me. But if I was called by my mama or just went to some preacher school, I would have to lie to you too. If I lied to you guys, this place would be packed, long lines everywhere. I know how to lie to you. I know how to make you feel good. But I'd rather see you have salvation. I'd rather see you free. I'd rather see you serving the same God that I'm serving. That's better for you. I don't need someone to follow me. And another quick point, then I'll take your hand. You cannot measure a preacher based on how big his church is. You know, and, and that is real popular now in the Christian community. Oh, I can tell that we are spiritual because we're signing up hundreds of people every day. And, and they are, they're basing it on that. All you do is take these folks back in the back room and lie to them, make them cry, sign this book, you're now a member. That's all it takes. I went in those back rooms. <laughs> they make you feel good. God, that's why God said we have to die in order to live. We must lay down our prideful, ego-driven life, which is of the world. It is motivated by people telling you you feel good or they tell you you feel bad. It is motivated by you hating yourself and you hating others. It is motivated by how much you can get what you have and what you don't have. That's not the right way to live. That is the abnormal way to live. There is a perfect way of living, and we have to find that way. It's, 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 it's inside of us. Everything that we are, everything that we're looking for is inside of us. It's not in a school book, and I'm not knocking education. Education is good, but there's a place for it. It has to be secondary in life, not primary. And education is being promoted as primary. Some of the dumbest people on earth are educated. And if you, don't, if you doubt me, listen to the show. And I'm not an educated man, and they end up looking stupid. It's the spirit that we're looking for, not education. Believe me, you'll get further in life being driven by what is right than an MSD, an MAD, an HOD, and DDDs. I'm telling you, and then you get there because you have your common sense and material things are secondary. And the beauty about it, God is in control of everything and he owns everything and he would take care of his own. He would, believe me, he would take care of you. You would never have to worry once you become his son or his daughter. Yes, sir. Um, on the part, I mean, we have to go back a little bit with the part okay. when you said, um, we need a father. Yes. Uh, saying because uh, they're the one that you know keep the family. Yes. Going. I have to disagree on that one because my father left me when I was a child. He left you? Well, when I was uh, in my mom's stomach, he I never met my father. Yeah, I'm sorry. To and, hear that. No, no, it's cool. It's okay. But um. Why did he leave? Um, I have no idea. And, but um, you know, of course, I'm not worrying about it. And. I, would you like to know why he left though? At least. No. You don't want to know. 
Actually, I don't. You don't love your dad? Well, no. Why not? Because if he ever took care of me, why should I love him? But you don't know why he left, so you can't make a decision about him. Well... Isn't that true? It would be like, let's say you got married, and your wife got pregnant, and then something happened between the two of you, and you had to leave the home. And nobody ever went along, came along to tell your son or your daughter, this is why your father left. You know, you can't make a decision about your father because you don't have his point of view about it. And so you grow up, your kids will grow up angry at you, never hearing your point of view, but judging you based on what somebody else said. And not all the time, but 99.9999.9, but not all the time, 0.9% of the time, the other party, and I don't know if your mother did or not, but the other party is not going to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. They're not going to do it. The ego won't allow it to happen. And, and so your kid could grow up feeling the same way about you, and you out there somewhere loving your kid, but, you know, the issues are not worked out, whatever's going on. That, is, that makes sense? Um, yeah. Yeah. And so you can't make a decision about your father <coughs> because you don't know his point of view. And so you, have, you can't end up resenting him because you don't have anything to judge him on. That's why as you get older, you should try to find him and talk to him and ask, why did you leave? I heard my own point of view. Why did you leave? Because whether you know it or not, whether you accept it or not, there is an emptiness inside of you that is yearning for your father. Mm, I don't know. It, well, how old are you now? I'm 18. Keep on living. <laughs> it is there because every soul needs the love of a father. Every soul needs it. It's set up by God. I didn't make it that way. It's set up by God. That, that emptiness, that void that you have, you and everything else around you seem to be fine. There's still like an emptiness there, like something is missing. And that is the love of a father. That's why when we, if we had good fathers and mothers, when we become old, we reconnect with our spiritual father. But we hold on to their love until we can do that. But when you don't have that, it leaves you empty. But anyway, what's your point? Uh, oh, God, I forgot right now. Uh, um, the part when you said um, uh, women cannot be strong. Right. Well, they can be. Because um, if there's no father around, because my mom, she took care of us. She taught me everything. I mean, like sex, everything I need to know. And we used to live like in a motel for a year, and now we're back on our feet now. Right. We used to live in shelters. We used to live like in a ghetto. Now we live in Santa Monica. We're right. back on our feet. We got an apartment built. My mom got a good job now. We used to have a raggedy car that like 1991, I guess. Right. And now she have a 2005 Maxima Nissan. You know something? You yeah, so, are good. you married? All the time. Are you married? So, no. I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> so the point, the point, the point I'm trying to say is that. Men is not always powerful. I know I'm a man myself, but men is not always powerful. But women, he is powerful. But Hold on. women can be powerful. Yeah, okay. So that's all I'm trying to say. Nothing, now, what you just said about how your mother made it through these hard times and she's taking care of you. Now, I've met your mother recently, so I happen to know about a little bit about her. And I believe that she wants what's right for you. I don't know what she said to you about your dad. I don't know how she treats men, but I believe she wants what's right. But nothing that you've said implies to me that she has what your father can give you. 
She doesn't have that. Yes, she worked hard. She's taken up. She's done the best that she can do. But she cannot give you what your father would give you and what you would give your children. Isn't that right? That is correct. Yeah, she, she doesn't have it to give. And that's what I'm talking about. Yes, you've done the right thing taking care of you. But that's not even whole life. And you're probably going to grow up and do very well. It's not like you're going to college. It's not like you'll do well. But once you get that degree and we all go home from your graduation, you're going to sit in a lonely room by yourself and something's still going to be missing. And you may get up and go and work at the law firm or wherever, but you're still going to be missing that father's love. I don't know, because uh, I never had one of those feelings. It's there. You just Right now you're young, your little ego is at work, but as you get older, you'll start to see you'll start to see that you're missing your father. You really will start to see it. And I understand what you're saying now, and I appreciate you speaking up about it, and you should. But women are not stronger than men. It is absolutely not true. It's just that men are weak, and women are willful. They impose. They demand. I gave you life. I brought you in this world. I'll take you out. You ever been told that? Yeah, a lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's God. But your father, he wouldn't tell you that. He, he would be patient with you. And he will guide you. He will help you to understand so that you can become a good, uh, you know, a righteous man and be there for your wife and children. You know. But she's doing her best, but she doesn't have what men have. It is passed down from God through Christ, through the man, to the woman, to the children. That's that spiritual order. And that's why everything is so messed up. And it's never, ever, ever, but never, never, ever going to get right until we restore that order. Now, we can claim that women are stronger. I, they're not. I used to think the same thing, but I was weak. And I thought, wow, black women are so strong. That's why I'm going to get me a white one. <laughs> 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 but, <laughs> and I met a white girl. I'm like, uh-uh. They're all the same. And so, but it's in the man. And it, again, it's not a put down. It's just a spiritual order of God. It's in us. And most men don't know it. And, and a lot of women don't understand that evil is working through them to prevent the righteousness of man to exist, to present it from coming forth. They destroy their children when they're very young by yelling at them, shut up, I'm the mama, I brought you in this world, I'll take you out. But mom, you said this, don't remind me what I said, you're being disrespectful. They don't realize that they're killing your spirit, that they're putting out the light of the world. They don't know what they're doing. They're doing their best, some of them, but they don't realize that they're putting the light out. And that's what's happening right now because it's in us. It's not in the woman. It's in the man. That's why our kids are unhappy. Even with the, the best mother that's done her best, they're still missing something. And, and you, I appreciate what your mother's done. But I'm telling you, you still need the love of a father. Your mother needs the love of a father. Why do you think she's seeking God? She's not seeking mama. She's seeking God. Because every man, woman, and child need the love of a father. I'm a living witness to that. And once you get that by forgiving, forgiving your mothers for what they've done, forgiving your father for not being there to protect, God is going to give you his love, and you will be fulfilled. And it's like nothing is missing at all. I don't feel like anything is missing in my life because I forgave my father for not being there and my mother who ran them off. 
And, I, and she finally admitted that she did. The hardest thing in the world for women to do, not all but most, the hardest thing for, the, for them to do is to tell the truth about themselves. Now they'll cry, oh, my husband beat me. Uh, what were you doing that caused him to beat you? Nothing. He just woke up and beat you for no reason? No, I didn't do anything. But, and that beating is not right, but there's cause and effect for everything, for everything. And that's why we got to wake up men. That's why we are rebuilding the family by rebuilding the man, because I am absolutely convinced that if we could get men to come back to God and love him first, and then he would dwell in them, and then they could love their wives the way that God loved them, and things would start to get better. Because the guy would be able to take it or leave it. He wouldn't be subject to his wife. We are not supposed to be subject to women, but the average man is subject to women. Uh, there's a song out that says, uh, what's that song? I'll sleep out in the rain if she says that's the way it ought to be. You ever heard that song? Well, when a man loves a woman. Anybody ever heard that song? <laughs> I'll bring it next week and play it. It demonstrates every weak man on earth. <laughs> it does. And sleep out in the rain, give up everything just to be with her. That's that song, and that's the average man. And so he's subject to that woman, and that is never going to work. And the thing about it, women hate men who are subject to them. They, don't, they want a strong man, a man who loves what's right. They don't want a man who is subject to them, but men are subject to women and don't understand what's going on. Anyway, did that help a little bit? No. Do you disagree with that? Is that food for thought? A little bit? Something to think about? You need to find your father. Is he around town somewhere? He has a father that, that was at, well, he has a father figure. He has one? But a father figure, yes. Is he a good man? This father figure guy? He, he's, he's a good guy. He's a good man? He's strong? Sure. He can handle your mother? <laughs> <laughs> Can you have you? We're divorced. That ain't a good man. He shouldn't have left you. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he leave you? Did you divorce him or he divorced you? I had to divorce him. Oh. For ten years, he didn't want to work. He didn't want to help. He wanted me to pay the, to watch the child, pay him to watch the children. What? I, I thought you said he was a good man. He's a good man. He's That's still, not a good man. Well, he's a good enough man that he will call them and ask them how they're doing. You know, yeah. he's the, not. He's, the lady at the welfare office would call you to ask you how things are going. I'm just saying, but thank goodness there are other men. Yeah. You know, there's teacher men, there's coach men, there's positive men figures. Right, I understand that. But that's not a good man. A no, good man would get up and go to work. He's a bad man. I'm sorry? <laughs> a good man would get up and go to work. Okay, don't lie, man. Uh, <laughs> uh oh, that's what I'm doing, huh? Uh huh. Repent. Where <laughs> my cross? That is not a good man. A good man, uh, first of all, he seeks what is right first. He seeks God in his right way. That's what a good man would do. He would get up and go to work. He wouldn't send his wife off to work while he sit home and babysit. That's not. That's a weak, pathetic, pitiful excuse of a man. A good man would deal with his wife and, and rebuke her and correct her and not get angry and go violent on her and all that kind of stuff. A good man wouldn't do that. He corrects his wife because he understands 
that his wife need him to be strong, to help her to overcome her emotions, to help her find that place. A good man don't just make a phone call and see how you're doing. He's there to guide you and talk to you and help you and direct you and be a good example. That man is not a good man. He may be well, a nice man, but nice men are weak. Well, no, he does that. I mean, he called me and said, listen, you need to get your stuff together. If I say I need anything, like, yeah, Dad, I need money for football, he would give me the money. If Derek said, if, um, Derek said yeah, Dad, I need shoes, he would buy him shoes. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, he's supportive. He help us out. Now, I understand that. Now, that's not, it still doesn't make him a good man necessarily. Take it from me. How old are you? 18. If you 18, if you call me up now, I know what I know. If you call me up and say, you need a pair of shoes, I'm going to say, okay, you got to earn it. I'm not just going to buy you a pair of shoes because it develops a welfare mentality. It really does. And as you get older, you'll be riding around in some woman's car. She'll be driving. You'll be sitting on the other side with no insurance. She'll be driving. You see all these black guys riding around with these women now? And they lean it back like they own the car. Uh, <laughs> no insurance or anything. A good man will show you how to develop that character through working hard. Isn't that right? That is correct. Yeah, that's what good men do. That's what fathers do. And in the good old days, mothers did that too. My grandmother, my grandmother made me work. When I got out of school, I had to rush home, take off my school clothes, and put on my overalls to go to the cotton fields. Anybody ever done that? Ozzy, you did it, right? Derek gonna raise his hand. But I thank her for that now because I, I depend on me. You know, with the help of God, I depend on myself. I don't have a welfare mentality. It also it builds the right kind of pride because a, a real man would be embarrassed to have someone to take care of him. He just wouldn't do it. But most men are not like that today because they don't have a good father. Yes, I do have to say, on behalf of my 18-year-old son, that he had a job ever since he was 16. Well, I can tell he's a pretty smart and guy. And he had a bill whenever when he had a job. He had a what? Had a bill. I gave him a bill to pay. Right on. And yes, he has moved out of the house, and he does have his own apartment. And oh, you're working. the one with your own apartment? Yes, this is him. Oh. Mm -hmm. What made you move out? Don't want to know all <laughs> we don't need to know all <laughs> Well, I made a decision, and um, I told my mom, I said, Mom, I think it's time for me to move out. I can't hear you. Well, I made a decision, and I said, Mom, you know, it's time for me to move out. And it's the expression on her face, like, what? Move out? <laughs> yeah. Well, we do it moving out. Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah, Mom. How long have you been out on your own? Ooh, like five, six months. <laughs> Are you liking it? You love it? <laughs> right on. Is she still stalking you? Uh, no, I, no. I only stalked him once because he didn't call and he didn't have a phone. His phone was disconnected. He wasn't returning emails. And so I had to make sure he was all right. No, yeah, you should so just I, wait to hear from him. Well, he he's, he's all right. Um, you did the right thing. He said, thank you for telling her that. You, you did the right thing by moving out. 18, right on, right on. Congratulations. I left home at 18, too. Couldn't wait to turn 18. Because <laughs> I was taught, you know, at 18, boy, you're out of here. Yeah. You got to go that's at 18. Right. I'm not taking you any further than that. That's what and I so, and I, and I knew that they loved me. They were not traumatizing me by telling me that. So I was ready at 18 to leave. So congratulations. Thank you. 
and don't stalk him anymore. Oh, I have yeah. Oh, no, but, I, you know, after my mom tried, you know, talk to me, so I emailed her a lot. Hey, mom, how's work? That's all I need. That's all she need. Let him do it voluntarily, though. Don't let him do it under pressure like that. He'll naturally do it. Believe me, just leave him alone. Let him go out there and figure it out now. And when he need advice, when he wants to say hello to you, he'll call you, he'll email you, because if you force him to do it and he feel guilty, he's not doing it out of love. He's doing it out of guilt. He's doing it because he just want to make you happy. And it's better to be made happy naturally rather than under pressure. You know, you've done a good job. You set him up so he can go out there and figure out the rest. So you should contact her when you want to, not out of pressure. That's what real love is. When you make somebody love you, it's not real love. You know what I mean? And uh, so don't let her put that kind of pressure on you. And if she does, call me and let me know. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, she doesn't put pressure on me. She just loves me. And, um, you know, I love her too, you know. Yeah. So if she needs anything, you know, I come by and help her out. It just like, you know, she was, you know, yeah. she used to have like, you know, two of us in the house and now this one right. in the house and, you know, she was a little worried. I understand that. So I have no problem. No, but worry is never, ever, ever good. It's not good. If you want to drive your kids crazy, start worrying about them. It will drive them nuts. It drives me nuts. Uh -huh. So no worry. You know, put them in God's hand and he'll be fine. You've done the best that you could do. So let him... Turn him loose. Let him go. And don't worry. If you believe in God, you can't have worry anyway. That's true. Yeah, so let your worry go and have faith in God. And whatever happens, it'll happen. It'll happen. Are you dating? Am I dating? Uh -huh. Yes. You're dating, but you're not living with this woman, right? No. And she's not living with you? No. And you have your own place? Yes, it's a roommate. You have your own, but it's a male or female roommate? Uh, it's a female. You got a female roommate? Oh gosh, here we go. Explain it. Explain uh, it. <laughs> she is a chill girl, right? She's twenty-five she's year old woman. No, she's twenty-three. Okay. But but she's chill. I knew her for a year, and she said, "Listen, I need someone. Uh, do you know anybody that's looking for a one-bedroom?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm looking for one." Well, she there's a two-bedroom apartment, two baths. Her parents own the apartment. The grandmother live across the hall. Yeah. Are you paying rent now? Uh, yes. And it is just a roommate. It's a two, yeah, I'm a But this girl is just a roommate. You're not dating at all. No, all no, I'm okay. not dating. Well, you'll no. be fine. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you'll be good. fine. Well, yeah, you'll be fine. But I would recommend that you find your father if you can. And just ask what happened. Well, should the father find me or I should be looking for him? A lot of time, and I don't know this situation, but a lot of time fathers are trying to get with their children and the mothers are preventing it from happening. And the kids don't know that the mothers are preventing it from happening. I hear it all the time. Now, I don't know this situation, but they won't, situation. they won't let the kids come, I mean, the dads come around, but they won't tell you that this is the situation, right? I know a, um, a young man right now who's going through the same situation. He can't even talk to his daughter on the phone, his child on the phone, because the mother won't let it. You know, but the mother telling the child a different story, and it's not reality. So that's why as you get older, you need to find him. And just listen to what he has to say, and then you're going to hear his point of view, and God will show you what is right and what is wrong. But you need to hear him out for your own soul's sake, if it's possible. That makes sense? It's, yeah. Yeah. But if you don't learn to love your father, you're never going to love God. You're never going to be able to love him. 
You can read the Bible until the cows come home. You can go to church until hell freezes over. You can hoop and holler until whatever. If you don't love your father, you're never going to know God. You cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven hating your fathers because he represent God. And how can you say you love God or who you never seen and hate your father, you know, that's here on earth or that you see all the time. You cannot love God and hate your father. Look at all the unhappy Christians, all in the name of Jesus. They are still unhappy, even though they say they know Jesus, and it's because they hate their fathers. They've been turned away from their fathers. And so then now they got to fake it. They got to fake that they know Jesus. They got to pretend that they know him, and they don't know him because you can't. You cannot enter in and hate your dad. Now, that doesn't mean you have to agree with him when he's wrong, but you cannot hate him. And most Christians hate their fathers. And that's what the problem is. You got to love your father. You love your dad? How old are you? Ten. You, do you guys have the same father? No, we have different fathers. Oh, okay. Do you love your dad? I love him. Do you see him? Yeah. Do you hang out with him? Yes. How many times, baby? Like, at least like two, three, four. A month? A year? A month, yeah. I mean, it's, it depends if I call him a lot, you know. If I say, yeah, I'm like, I'm not doing nothing what you're doing, he'd be like, I'm not doing it. We just talk on the phone a lot. You want to hang out with him more? Yeah. You want to be if, with him? I mean, like, yeah, I do. Do you ever tell him that? No. You should tell him. You say, hey, Dad, it's nice that we talk on the phone, but I want to be with you, too. I want us to hang out. I want to be together sometime. Just tell him. He may not be realizing. But let him know. And one last thing, then we move on. Mm -hmm. Never, ever, ever, but never, ever, ever again call him baby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Never call him a baby because you're going to make him feel like a baby. No, I call yeah. him young man. But yeah. I just wanted him to. No, you just call him baby. I did. Yeah. I did. But I, I, wanted, I didn't want to come off too strong and I wanted him to answer the question correctly. Right, but don't call him baby. <laughs> you really, you kill him on the inside. Do I kill him? <laughs> he said yes. <laughs> yeah. It, it's. it's what women don't know, there's a spirit that come with women, and, and they don't mean it. I know you mean your kids well. I can just tell you do. But there's a spirit that come with women that destroys the nature of men. And when you call him baby, you're dragging him down on the inside. He, it takes away his courage or power to speak up to you. Or My grandmother used to do that to me. She, she turned me into a baby, and I was 38 years old and still a baby. And then if somebody said that to me, I felt like a baby. And, 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 and black women have it bad. They call, you could be 90 years old, and they'll call a man a baby. <laughs> How you doing, baby? You ever seen black women do that? <laughs> yes. You could be 180 years old. And you want to go to my grandmother's house. Because <laughs> you call you baby. I like being in that relaxed environment. Right. Well, girls can take it better. Not have to worry about anything. <laughs> she would cook me breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, right. And but I can let my worries go for the day. Right. But don't call him baby. No. You call him either by his name or sir. No, I do say yes, sir. You I know, something that manly. Mm -hmm. Do not, you're going to weaken him and he'll be 18, a baby. 20, a baby, and he'll go out and meet these little fast girls, and they're going to treat him like a baby because he's not going to be able to stand up to them. I'm telling you, 
It's a spiritual battle. And this spiritual battle is, is in every area of our lives. And that's why God said, know thyself. You need to know yourself so you can see what you're doing. Isn't that amazing? You'll be surprised at the stuff we do to ourselves and to others. And, and it's these little things that we don't think is so bad. We don't think, you know, how many mothers think that they're hurting their son by calling him a baby? They don't know that they're dragging him down or, or causing his emotion to feel weak, his inner self to feel weak. They don't know that they're doing that. And so they don't mean any harm by it. And nobody's come along telling them that that's what they're doing. And the, and the child can't say, sometimes they'll say, Mom, don't call me a baby. Why do you call me a baby? They can't express to you what they're really feeling on the inside. And the mother just do it anyway because they don't understand. Know thyself. You've got to know yourself. If you'd like to call in, by the way, I forgot you're out there. It is 800-411-BOND, 800-411-2663. All right? So next time she calls you a baby, just say, Mom, I'm not a baby. Will you be able to say that? Yeah. yeah. Because I can tell you're going to be tall. You don't want to be a tall baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and your mother means well. So just say, you know, and you can say it in a, with respect. I say, Mom, I'm not a baby. What's your first name? Derek. I'm Derek. You know, not a baby. Because she would make you feel like a baby. You would be shy in life and wimpy like. You know what I mean? Wimpy. Isn't that true? Yeah, and the only time you have courage is when you're angry. And anger is not courage. But that's all you have to motivate you when you're brought down like that in the home. It's a spiritual thing going on here, folks. And that's why God wants us to wake up. He wants us to enter into the kingdom of heaven so that we can see what we're doing to ourselves and to others. That makes sense? Anybody disagree with that? No? Any questions? I thought I saw a hand about a week ago. Did I see your hand? Oh, okay. Any questions about that? Can you guys relate to that? Mm -hmm. How you do that to your children and you see it, you know, you do it to others and others are doing it to you? It is all spiritual. You've got to get to know yourself. You've got to see what's going on. Seek first the kingdom of God and his right way and all will be added. What he's going to do is awaken you so you can see what's going on. When you wake up, you develop the mindset of God. You take on his thoughts and his ways. And you're on your way then. And life becomes easy. Your burdens are light. You're going to have many challenges, but they are out here, not inside of you. And if they're on the outside of you, you can work them out. You can overcome anything. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I know we're calling some baby, but that's the same thing when you protect you. Like, you try to stop Yeah. Yeah, they don't want you stopping them from falling down the stairs. And if they fall down the stairs, don't run down there and fall down. Oh, baby, what's going on? My poor baby fell down the stairs. Just say, get up, Derek. Did you bust your head open? Well, don't do the doctor. That's right. Plus, it makes them cry longer. Yeah. The moment you mother them with that, they cry. About yeah, something they, that they cry longer and they cry louder. That's right. My little grandson... He, uh, how old Josh? Three. The other day, the other night, he was on the table, and he should not have been up there. He fell off the table, hit his head on the lamp, and just started boohooing. I'm looking at him, I'm like, let, let him go, let him cry. The mother grabbed him, but, you know, she let him go. And so I said, come here, Josh, let me, let me see what's going on. Let me lay hands on you, buddy. You know, let me, let me count to three, it'll be over. 
But, you know, and he started to come out of it right away. Kids can take pain if the mothers back off. They really can. It's like in church, you know, in, in church, if you start crying about something, and the moment someone pats you on the back, you want to boo-hoo even more so. It's like, <laughs> the moment they pat you on the back, that's when I tell those sisters to go sit down, leave the person alone, let them have their moment of tears, and it'll pass. But the moment everybody run over there and smother them and, and pray over them, it's over. You just boo-hooing about nothing. <laughs> have you noticed that? Yes. It's all spiritual. But women don't know what they're doing. Women are not stronger than men. It's just that men are weak. Women are driven by emotion. And emotion is not strength. It is not strength. It, it, it will kill you, the plants, the flower, the house. It'll, it'll dry up the house paint. It'll destroy everything. And that's why men should be logical, which is love of God, so that they can help them overcome. And to say that in society today, you become a woman hater, you hate women, you hate men. But I don't care because I understand the battle is a spiritual battle. And I am not trying to win a prize. And I am not into the money thing. I'm into what is right. God has already made a way. We got to come back to his order. We got to return to his order and then things will work. It's not about ego. It's about love. It's about perfect love. It's not about ego. It's about perfect love. And I'm not in competition with a woman. I'm not in competition with anybody. I don't need a woman to tell me I'm a man for me to think I'm a man or to make me feel like a man. A woman can't make you feel like a man. That's a false feeling. You know? That's a false feeling. You can put on a suit and feel like a man, and then you take it off and you feel poor. <laughs> it's all ego. We got to lay down that ego life and come back to righteousness. Christine, you disagree with this at all? How about women not being stronger than men? Um, well, I was always glad to have my husband to, to do that. I never really wanted to be the heavy, um, do any kind of a screaming or type of thing with my kids. Yeah. And um, It is the father's responsibility to discipline the children. Because when the mother disciplines them, she's doing it with emotion. She's doing it with fear. She's doing it with doubt, and she's causing her kids to fall away from God and wake up to another reality, wake up to doubt and fear and insecurity. And the worst thing that can happen to a woman, and I can barely stand, is a weak man. There's nothing worse than an emotional, fearful, angry, pathetic, weak man. It makes you want to throw up. Really, it really ain't nothing worse than a weak man. It ain't nothing worse than a man that won't work. It, you know, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. A man should die if he doesn't work. Really. If a man don't work, no welfare, let him die. He's in the way. He's absolutely in the way. Now, unless he has some kind of medical problem, something that's beyond his control. You know, a circumstance that is out of his control. But if that man could get up and go to the toilet, he can go to work. <laughs> Isn't that right? I mean, we used to know these things because these things are right. They are healthy. They are godly. We knew these things before that a man that won't work, won't buy car insurance, won't feed himself, won't put a roof over his head, 
is not worth living. And you're wrong for having sympathy for them. Really. Because a man should, a man can go out and dig a dish and make a dollar. You know, work at the car wash. Work at McDonald's. He's worked two or three jobs to earn a living. His manly pride should cause him to do that. My, my grandmother said, if a man don't work, you don't eat. No dinner. If you don't come to the field today, no dinner tonight. And that's what we used to know. Now we have these weak, emotional, pathetic men, won't work, won't stand up to their woman, won't take care of their children, won't even marry the woman. That's ridiculous. That's evil. Especially with who we represent on earth. We represent Christ on earth. You got to think about that. And who want a weak Christ? <laughs> Suppose Christ can't stay home and send his wife off to work. Will we be wanting to follow Christ today? No, because he's weak. Yes? I just realized um, what you just said. Uh, you know, today, what the difference is between intellectual learned knowledge and why they give up their common sense and why they don't have common sense, people agree. You can look, two, common, two people with common sense will look at the same situation and agree on what to do. Two people who have been given the same exact education will disagree 180 degrees from each other because one of those guys, or even both, doesn't have the common sense to use that. You still need common sense, even when you're educated, to be able to see properly with the education what to do. Yeah. You know, to apply that education in a common sense way. And for some reason, some mysterious reason that people, when they go to universities and learn, they then develop more confidence in the knowledge than in what gives them the ability to use the knowledge properly. And I know exactly what that is because, you know, God has blessed me. I remember when, when Kent was in school there and Scott at the time. When they go off to college... There is a deliberate attempt to tear these kids down and rebuild them in their image. They want to destroy their common sense and, and give them all this knowledge that puffs them up and make them feel like God so that they can use them in the world for their own purposes. They literally try to destroy you, especially in law schools and things like that. They go after your children to destroy their common sense. And now they want you to accept everything that's wrong and when you are an intellectual without common sense, you will accept everything that's wrong. Because you don't have common sense to guide you. You don't have that common sense anymore to say, no, this is not right. This is wrong. We have a consciousness of God inside of us that warns us and let us know right from wrong. But if somebody kills that consciousness, you're going to accept wrong. And that's what they do in college. They hate Christian kids because they come in there with common sense. They make you think your parents are wrong and your parents are judging. They break you down and rebuild you. And so if you don't have somebody to help you through school and say, hey, no, this is wrong. Hold on to your common sense. You'll come out of there not even recognizing your kids. And they hate the Bible. They hate God. They hate you now. But that's what they do. They tear it down. God said we should lay down that life. They build on that life, that ego life. It does come from law because lawyers are taught to look at both sides and to be able to argue both sides. Right. But in doing that, they've, they've also thrown away the common sense which lets them know which side is, is right. That's right. And
and, and I think that's that's key to what's really driving most, you know, I, most lawyers from knowing what's what's right in their heart. And you're absolutely right. Uh, do you guys understand that? I'm telling you, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And for me to know this, if God can do it for me, he'll do it for anybody. Because I have not in the past been the most holiest person, you know. I was the worst of the worst, but his mercy was good for me. He, took, he brought me out of that hellhole, and he allowed me to see the kingdom of heaven that's inside of me. And he allowed me to understand the different voices. There are two voices. His voice is a quiet voice's voice. And he introduced that to me so that I can now recognize that voice rather than this, than this ego, prideful voice that talked to me and convinced me about other things. There are the two different. The kingdom of heaven is inside of us. We got to go in and look for it. You're not going to find it out here, out there, over yonder. It is right inside of us. Really. And it is amazing how you grow in that. When you really, really connect to it. You start to grow, and there are no words that I could express to tell you how wonderful it is. It's really not. It's all love. 100% love. No anger, no judgment, no hatred. Pure love. And it's all life, it's all everything that you need. And it's right inside of us. Isn't that amazing? We're running around trying to find it here and there, and it's right with us. It's right with us. I know I saw this young lady hand, and then I saw your account. Yes, ma'am. Um, I just wanted to ask you, you said just a little while ago that the father is the one who should discipline. Well, um, in my situation, the father is not living in the house, and he's not being a good man or a good father. Um, and so now I'm at dealing with a situation where my daughter is wanting to date. And um, I think it's serious. Before, she always would have boyfriends. But now I think it's serious because she broke a rule, a house rule. And How old is she? 16. Okay. And I asked her, I, I was really, like, I'm usually very forceful and controlling. And I didn't want to approach her that way because I know that makes kids go and do what yeah. you don't want them to do. Yes, ma'am. So I just, I didn't know how to handle the situation. Nervous, want her to be my friend and all of this. Yeah. And I thought about the father. Uh, my girlfriend said, bring the father in. I was like, well, he doesn't do any fathering. So I don't want to bring him in to, you know, I think it's good to bring him in to deal with the boy stuff. But because he's not there doing all anything else, you know, so I'm like, I don't know how to deal with it. But girls need fathers, too, in the same manner that, father, that boys need fathers. And I do hear this one-sided story out there now. Boys need daddies, but girls need daddies, too. They need the same love from the father that the boys need. It's the same identical thing. Girls need to get their identities from their father, not from their mothers. They need to learn to love fathers because it helps them choose the right husband. They're going to choose the man that, just like the man that they love, their fathers. So they need a father too. And if this father would come in and deal with her, I would allow it to happen. But most importantly, you got to make sure you get over all of your anger so you don't have fear. Then you can direct her in the right way. But if you have fear, and you're right, do not try to be her friend. You're not her friend. That doesn't mean you can't be approached and dealt with, have some fun and talk to. But you, you are her parent. And you are higher, in a way, you are higher than her, but yet not. Meaning that if you love what's right and doing what's right, you want to bring her into that reality. 
But you got to get over your anger so you can see the right way to do it. And that's why you're afraid. You're not, you don't quite know how to do it. Anger with who? Whatever it is. You got to get over your emotions. You know. I'm just afraid. Well, I don't know. I'm saying, you're saying angry. I'm saying fearful. Afraid that, um, like, like, like I said, my old ways of telling her right. what's right and what's wrong. I mean, if we having a mother-daughter conversation, then I can say, you know, this is what guys do and this is what they're all about. But now I really want to know that she's going to make these right decisions based on what I've told her before. And I don't want to be forceful, but well, I don't just want talk to her just like we're talking now. That's all you have to do. She's 16 years old. You're not going to be able to do too much to stop her from what you're doing. But talk to her like we're talking now and let her know you know you are there, you mess up, you're on your own. I'm not taking care of any babies. These guys, you know, stay away from sex until marriage. They don't, sex is not love. You know, if they try that, dump them. You know, just talk to her naturally without fear. And it'll work. The, the thing I love about truth, it works. But you have to trust that truth, that it will work. You have to be of that truth, that it will work. But if you talk to her as though you're talking to me or anybody else, it works. Okay, so I've already instilled all these things. Now, I'm, I guess my nerves are, is, it, is she going to adhere to it? Have faith in God. You laid, you planted the seed. Now you have to see it grow. Now she's gonna have to experience it so that she can say, "Oh, I, I remember my mother telling me that all these guys want is just sex." And uh, I'm not having sex with this guy. And she'll come home and talk to you about it. And that'll help encourage her even more. So now I wouldn't let at 16. I'm not telling you let her run wild and just right. be out there dating all the time and all that kind of stuff. But don't worry. So you can see the right thing to do. Um, one more question. Do you think I should um, allow her to have boy company, like, at my house, like, while I'm there? Yeah. Have her friend over? Whatever, yeah. And let's say she meet a nice little guy. At 16, it's just going to happen. It's the way it is. They come on. They sit in the front room. They watch TV. All the lights are on. <laughs> <laughs> they have some popcorn. And at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, he's gone. Oh, really? That yeah. late? Well, I'm just I'm going out. the sun go down. You got to get out. No, I'm just throwing out of time. We have to determine the time. But yeah, I mean, when, when we started dating, the good thing about when we were dating, the parents were around. They didn't like lock us off in some room and they went away. They stayed around, you know, so you have to just be around in the house there and all the lights on in the front room and the TV up so you know they're not kissing and carrying on. I don't think you can kiss and watch TV. Can you do it? I don't know. Can you do it? Kiss and watch TV? He's not gonna admit it. Do you have a girlfriend? Yeah. You didn't tell me that already? Yeah. <laughs> are you in love with her? Uh, you can say that. You are in love already? And why are you in love right now? And how, you're 18, right? Yeah. And why are you in love with this girl already? Why? Uh-huh. Well, she treat me that I want to be treated and I treat her. And um, How do you want to be treated? Respect. What is respect? Um, respect for me is, um, is not like wearing hoochie clothes on the street with me. That means you're embarrassing me on the street. Right. And, um, if respect for me is just like... Well, really, she's embarrassing herself. 
She's yeah, just walking down the street looking like a hoochie mama. Yeah, but if my, mom, but, but if my mom see that, that's basically embarrassing me too. So. No, they say, Mom, this is my hoochie girlfriend. <laughs> Everybody represents themselves. Believe me. As an adult, now our children represent a, a reflection of what we are, right? But once you become an adult, you're on your own. You're a reference. If you want to walk like, now I'll tell you, you know what? You look like a hoochie mama, whatever it is. But you look bad. You look nasty, whatever, right? But she represents herself. Yeah. Just so you don't identify with her. You represent you and she represents herself. But let her know when she looked that way. Oh, of course. Yeah. Real fast again, so you love her because you don't want to look like a hoochie mama and whatever. And, um, you know, we just... You know, we've been together for 10 months. 10 months, that's a long time. You should be in love. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it's been that long. Yeah, it's time for love. Let me just say, I, I have one minute left. Let me just say, I understand what you're going through, but just know it is not love. Just know that. But let yourself feel it, because love is not a feeling. That kind of love fades away after a while, and it will after the honeymoon is over. <laughs> it's not fading away. But stay away from sex and all that kind of stuff. No sex. No drugs and no sex. And you'll be fine. All right? That makes sense? Yes, sir. Yeah, stay away from that. Um, and be patient with your daughter. Just talk to her the way you would talk to anybody. And don't worry. And if a guy should come over once in a while, he does. Not every night. You know, in the front room watching TV, playing cards or whatever they do. At a certain time of night, he has to go home. You know? And if you do it without anger, your daughter is going to respect you for that because you are respecting her in the way that you're dealing with it. You know, you're not yelling and screaming and embarrassing her and building her ego like that. That makes sense? Yes. Did you so guys hear Prudence on the radio this week? Yeah. <laughs> did you like that? Did, did you? I like it? Uh-huh. Yeah. I, did. I, like, I like it. I do. Yeah. I feel funny sometimes calling in like, then I get over it and I'm like, let me tell Jesse something. <laughs> <laughs> I always want to tell his audience that it's like, what he's saying is right, but it's how he's saying it that rouses people up. But if they would just listen to it clearly and think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, you said, Not the Obama part. You hear all those angry callers coming in? Yeah. That's amazing, huh? I had a preacher called in from Memphis, Tennessee. And he was so angry, and he's like, I'm so angry, I have to catch my breath. <laughs> and, then, and then he, at the end of the show, he got so mad, he said, I will uh, pimp slap you. A preacher. Yeah, from Memphis, his name was Tom. And he said, I'll pimp slap you. And hung up. I said, oh, wow, a preacher going to pimp slap me. That's amazing. How can he put those two things and, together and call himself a preacher? Pimp. I know. And then he called back the next day, and he said, I want to apologize to you <laughs> because I, I, I was so angry. I was, I'm sorry I was wrong. I said, all right, no problem. I never had a preacher want to pimp slap me, at least not tell me, right? <laughs> I, I said, but I, it's fine. I accept it. And then before we could finish that conversation, he got mad again and called me an Uncle Tom and hung up again. And it's why I apologize for pimp slapping him. And I'm like, your name is Tom, so you're probably Uncle Tom. <laughs> I never had a preacher want to pimp slap me. Well, if they did, they didn't tell me. 
<laughs> so you guys should tune into the show. Really good stuff. And as far as the way I speak the truth, I don't feel like the truth is coming out of me in a harsh way. It's not harsh. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it's just straight up true. And, and God said the truth should be sharper than a two-edged sword so that it can penetrate. But if you water the truth down or you're doing it out of anger or you're trying to hurt the person, you're not going to affect that person for the good. But if you're doing it out of love, you're going to help those who are seeking what is right. And so I, I think that's why I just said straight up. But I don't feel it. So it feels like... There, there, there are no feelings to it. It just sounds sweet to me. It, it, it's the truth. You know, and how do you water the truth down and help someone at the same time? Because you have to realize you have uh, uh, an identity that's made a home inside of you, and it's called ego. It's called pride, and it is the nature of the devil. And that devil, that nature, want everything softened down. Don't hurt my ego. You know, make me feel good. And so when the world softens, your friends soften things down, it's not going to help you at all. It's that nature that the truth will destroy. If you love what's right or you're seeking what's right, it will change your life for the good. So don't, even, don't want someone to soften the truth down for you. That's not your friend. And if you're having trouble with the truth, it's your pride. You need to be born again. And that's what's going on. So let, welcome the truth. Even if it's not true, let the person say it. Because you can see there, oh, yeah, that's true about me. Or it's not true, and then forgive them. You know, we talked about the kingdom of heaven being within us and the role of men. And the way to find this is that you got to admit that you're wrong. you got to admit that you're wrong, and then be still and know God. Because the moment you can see that you're wrong, he will come in and change your life, meaning that he would change your nature. He would take that angry, emotional, insecure nature away from you and he will give you perfect love, and he will awaken you. We have a light uh, within us. We have the, the love of God, his light, his presence is inside of us. And if we can admit we are wrong, we will be able to enter in and start to live from that life. And life really does become easy after that. A lot of challenges, but easy, because you are no longer controlled by your outer environment. And you don't take things so seriously. You can take it or leave it. It's sweet. But you must be born again. Visit my website at bondinfo.org. Get a copy of my Be Still and Know prayer CD. And sit quietly so that you can know God. And also support us with your tithe and, and offering. We need your support. We want to buy some more cameras so you can see the folks who are speaking. Uh, you can call our order line, 1-800-411-2663. God bless you. And thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. <laughs>